Now, if you pull that up on YouTube and you go to listen to Sly's version of a family affair, uh, it's a little bit off. But blood is thicker than mud is part of the song. But uh, (laughs) other parts of the song are not true about family because everybody's got a different way of thinking. But I'm telling you, (laughs) it, it is a family affair, and there's all kinds of families. And I'm just telling you today, wherever you're at in the world of family, whatever your family looks like, I'm, I'm not, you know, th- this place isn't against your family if your family isn't, you know, perfect. <laughs> you, you say, well, we're, we're a little dysfunctional. I've never met a family that didn't have some dysfunction. Okay? So, so we're all in the same boat in some form or another. But we're learning to be functional as we follow the blueprint and the plan of God to establish us and strengthen us you know, in, in who we are and then who we can be. God wants the family to be what he created it to be. But God takes us where we're at today. Not, you know, anything that I start talking about, I'm going to lay out some plans of, of what Scripture says about family. And, and, if it, and if it doesn't touch just perfectly where you're at today, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. God takes each one of us where we're at. The day you got born again, God took you where you're at, and you've been growing and increasing in your life day by day. So the the purpose of this series this week is just to talk about some things that I think get overlooked at times. And and, and, and another thing, when, when, when issues get overlooked, a lot of times people get frustrated with trying to do something that they don't understand well we tried to do that we tried to be that but it but it didn't work well a lot of times it's not that someone didn't want to see certain things fulfilled but they didn't understand and so the reason that we don't understand a lot of times is because we don't have information and sometimes sometimes some of the information that we have we've gotten by default because no one else was offering information. If the church doesn't offer information about what the family should look like, then people are going to go everywhere else to look for the family. And I promise you, there are other people that are advertising family. They're advertising family. Al-Qaeda is advertising family. Mm-hmm. The underworld, what, what I knew of growing up as, as the mob, advertises family. Hmm? The godfather and the family, right? I mean, family is offered throughout all over this country and the world. And, and many times, I, I'm, I'm just saying from looking at this blueprint to what other people say is family... Some of the other families have things that compare to it, but, but we want the original. Amen. I want the original truths and attributes of family operating in me and in my family. I, I, want, I want 
what family is to be real and not just have something that's ah, kind of close. We kind of do that and we kind of this and that. I, I've, I've heard, I was talking to a family member of mine the other day and they were talking about another type of religion. And they said that somebody was, somebody was talking about it in one of their classes and, uh, and was talking about how close it is to Christianity. I don't want something that's just close. I want the real deal. You know, I'm not against anybody else. You got to do what you got to do. But I'm not going to back off from sharing truth from the Word of God that God says is so. Amen? And, it's, and, and that doesn't mean, I, I'm not up here saying, uh, and, and you won't hear me do this because I don't need to do this. I'm not going to say, well, this is the family and those people that don't believe this, rawr, rawr, I'm not going to do it. We don't need to do it. We don't need to point out what other people aren't doing that's not right. We don't need that. We just need to lay the truth out so you can make a choice to choose and to decide what's really real. Okay? So that's what this, these next, today and the next three Sundays after will be about. Um, so it's a family affair. Yes? So I, I want to just look at a number of things. Just follow with me in Scripture. I'm just going to try not to read too much in these different passages, but I just want to point out some of the basic things in regards to family that God said is so. Genesis 2 and verse 21. And the Lord God, He had made man in, in chapter 1 of Genesis. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into woman. Man with the womb. So there's man and man with the womb. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So we can see clearly in God's plan and, and there's a number of places that back this up. But in the beginning, everybody say in the beginning. In the beginning. Okay, so in the beginning of, of God establishing family, he took one man and one woman, right? Okay, so one man and one woman is God's plan according to the Bible. Now, governments and people and institutions and all that other kind of stuff, they can come up with all kinds of ideas. And, and again, what's really important, okay, and, and it is really important that I say it this way to you, that everybody understands this, we're not against other people's lifestyles. You can't be. If you're against another person's lifestyle, then you shut down the opportunity and the door to touch their lives. Okay? I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to accept it, you know, in, in, into my world. But I can't be the judge of how other people live. God said, you leave the judging to me. Because the moment that you start judging other people's lifestyle, if you just turn that judgment on yourself for just about 10 minutes, you'd back off. 
People are going to do what they're going to do, and you don't know where people have come from, and you don't know the hurts and the issues that people deal with. You don't know why people do what they do. You can judge it. You can look at it and judge it and pass judgment based on what you think is right or maybe what a public interest group might think about what other people do, okay? But it will not profit you in the lives of other people to judge harshly the lifestyles of others. It just, it just doesn't. Again, that doesn't change what we believe in the Word of God. God took one man and one woman, and it was the beginning of family. Everybody say this after me. That's God's plan. Okay, so we just leave it there. We don't have to argue with anybody. We don't have to fight with people. We don't have to have issues and attitudes or anything else. That's God's plan from the Bible, the God of the Bible, okay? Because people argue with you, yeah, but there's a God of that. Okay, all right, whatever. We're here at Gates of the City talking about the God of the Bible. And family started with one man and with one woman. Amen? Genesis 4 and 1. Now, Adam knew his wife, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. So, in other words, Adam had intimate, physical, sexual relationship with his wife, and she became pregnant and had a son, right? So family begins with one man and one woman, and the man with the womb conceives all of humanity so that they can procreate. Right here in in Genesis 4.1, this isn't talking about the pleasure of sex. Right here, this is talking about the covenant, that a sexual connection between one man and one woman creates, it procreates something. That's where covenant, blood covenant, was established, and it's where family started right there. There was no family other than a man and a woman until this happened right here. This created, this was the covenant connection for all of mankind, and it's been that way ever since. That's one of the reasons that we, that it's important to understand that for a, a man, for a woman, but for a man also, that it's important to learn. Remember, we, we take things where we're at today but we want to get better for the next generation, okay? We, we want to get better for other people. We want to get deeper, and, and as I was saying earlier today, we want to change our thinking so that we can help those who are before us or who are coming after us, our children and our children's children and different we, we want our thinking to change, and we want to believe why we do something or we don't do something. We, we, we want to believe why abstinence is so important. It's not just to keep you from not having fun. It's not, to, it's not just some, you know, weird idea that you want to control people's lives or what. No, it's because God desires covenant between one man and one woman so that it, cre- it can procreate, the two of them can procreate and establish on earth what God wanted in the earth in those people. Because see, if my thinking changes, then my children's thinking change. 
changes. Then if their thinking changes, then my children's children's thinking changes. And, that, and, and it's that process that has to be handed off. It's kind of like in, in, in a marathon run and, and there's several different people. You pass the baton. You're passing to the next generation the things that you have. But if your thinking doesn't change and you just stay with old habits and old ways, then what happens? When I, when I was 13, my, well, when I was 10, my parents separated. And by the time I was 13, they were divorced and and just, you know, my whole family was just fragmented and, and moving in different directions. And, and divorce was prevalent in our family in, in different places. And, and, uh, and, and that whole process would have continued with me had I not gotten born again and my thinking changed. And because my thinking changed... The lifestyle that I came out of and, and, and the world that I came out of, I was the first person in my family to get born again. And it was just, it was just miraculous that I even actually got born again. And I got born again, and today, all my family members are born again. You see how it, it just changes. But, I mean, it took a lot of years, but there was a lot of change that went into that. And, and, it, and, it, and the change happened. The change in me happened so that generationally things wouldn't get passed down. And my wife and I this year married 35 years. You know, I mean, I mean that in itself is a miracle today that somebody stay married for 35 years and we'll be married 40 years and 50 and 60 and however long that we live on planet earth, we'll be married all those years because it's settled in us. See, doesn't mean that we don't have issues and we don't have stuff and we haven't had to work. Man, we've had to work through all kinds of things. But it settled in us that it was God's plan. He took one man and one woman. We procreated. We, we established a, a, a heritage and, and a generation past us sowed the word in their hearts so they're growing up and want to love God and serve God. And there's the plan. You see? And so we haven't done it perfectly, but we've stuck with the plan. And I had to make alterations and changes along the way. And we had difficulties in, in, at different times in our marriage because of a lot of wrong thinking that it took a lot of processing and working that stuff out so that things could change. See? God takes us where we're at today, and he opens up the future for you and I if we embrace that. Can you say amen? So... This, this connection between Adam and Eve that created a son, again, was covenant. Now, I want to fast forward just a little bit to Deuteronomy 21. I think it's 21, is it? 22. Deuteronomy 22. And I just want to give you this illustration of, and this is, this is under the law, but this is how serious that they took blood covenant. And it's 22 and starting with verse 13. I just want to read this little passage to you. If any man takes a wife and he goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman and when I came to her I found that she was not a virgin. Then the father and the mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the young man's father 
I mean, the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as a wife, and he detests her. Now, he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of the city shall take that man and shall punish him, and on and on. There's other stuff in there. But under the law, what happened was when a man and a woman came together, the two of them were virgins, and when on their wedding night, when they had intercourse, what happened is the woman released blood, and there was a sheet that they laid out on the bed, and the and and if and if the sheet had took the blood and it was released, they, the father would take that the next day and would roll it up, and he would set it aside because it was evidence that his daughter was a virgin. And it was evidence that there was a blood covenant that was established between the two people. Now, that was under the law, okay? The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law, okay? But we use the law and certain things in the law as a schoolmaster to teach us and to train us and to help us to understand what the benefits of life are really all about. And talking about the family, and no matter what, where you're at or what's ever happened in your life or what, where, what, what, you know, whatever other issues that you've had or what kinds of relationships, none of that. See, the blood of Jesus delivered every one of us, so there's no shame, there's no reproach against us, he delivered us. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ and the covenant that was cut between God and man through Jesus Christ, that blood covers every kind of sin, every kind of disobedience, every act that's ever been done out of ignorance or not understanding or not knowing, you see? That blood covers everything else. But... Should a man and woman, with right knowledge and understanding, just act like, well, that's no big deal. We just, we just draw from the blood of Jesus. We just receive our forgiveness. Yes, we receive our forgiveness, but we want to do better and, and create better lifestyles and better understanding of what happens in the beginning of a family. Because I can tell you this, had... Had I grown up with a revelation of what I'm talking to you about today, it would have saved my wife and I a lot of issues and a lot of turmoil and a lot of, of things that we had to work through because of all these, this line of past relationships where a part of, especially on my part, a part of me was given to someone else. And as a result of all these past relationships where there were things that were done that were not right in according to the, the plan of God, in all these past relationships, had I had greater understanding, we, we, we could have spent the first years of our marriage not having to deal with all the baggage and the stuff from other past relationships. Am I, am I, am I making sense? Are you hearing me today? And, and so... Again, God takes us where we're at. I'm going to say it again. God takes you where you're at right now. Okay? I'm not saying these things to judge what you've done in the past. I'm just giving you information to help encourage you that your future can be different than your past. 
And the future of others around you can be different because of information that you gain from teaching like this that can help you to understand how to live in another level at another place. That's what God's wanting. Because why? God loves the family. Amen? Um, So... In the, in the New Testament, two things I want you to look at here. In the New Testament, in Ephesians 5, <clears throat> Ephesians 5 and verse 22, it says, Wives, submit your... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Husband isn't the boss of the wife. He doesn't, he's not in dominion over his wife. He's the head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church. Men aren't head over women. There's neither male nor female in the body of Christ. In this thing called marriage that is the beginning of the family, there, is, there are roles between um, the man and the woman which become the husband and the wife. And, and the Bible says here, husband is the head of the wife, but only as he uh, is developing his understanding and emulating Jesus as the head. Not in some domineering, you know, controlling type of a way. And, and that has been misunderstood through the years. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives the way you best figure out to do. No. Just as Christ loved the church and did what? And he gave himself for her. Husbands are to love their wives in, in the form of giving. Giving themselves to her. Verse 26, that he might, that I, that I as a husband might sanctify and cleanse my wife with the washing of the water of the word, that I might present her to God a glorious woman or church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, as it said in Genesis 2, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. This is a great mystery. Notice what he said here. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. This is a great mystery, but he said, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the way that a husband and a wife understand how to operate in roles is to understand the relationship between Jesus and the church. Really, this passage is not talking about marriage. It's really talking about Jesus and the church, and he used marriage as an example. So the more you and I understand the relationship between Jesus and the church, we begin to understand the roles between husband and wife. And I'll just tell you today, the more we try to figure out and glean from wrong information and wrong sources, the worse that marriages 
and then in turn families will become. They will. They'll become worse and worse and worse when we don't understand Jesus and the church. That's a key point in what I'm talking about today. Amen? It's a key point. Um, in Genesis 12 and verse 3, this is the story of Abraham and the beginning of the Abrahamic covenant. I'll just read from verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a nation, and I will bless you, and your name, and, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We don't have time to look at it today, but what was meant here about Abraham being the father of faith, and you go back and read, the best place to go back and read this is Romans chapter 4 in the New Testament. Read that whole chapter, and it talks about what Abraham received because of his faith. And he's the father of us all. And as we have faith and believe in what Jesus Christ has done, then we're blessed with the blessing of Abraham. And when you read and study his life and see all that he was blessed with, he was an example that our families could follow after. We, we have been intended on this earth to be empowered to prosper, empowered to advance. But if we have wrong information, you can't advance. If we don't understand family the way God created it, we can't advance, not in God. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love people and that God doesn't accept people like they are, but the blessing can't flow when we're not in his plan according to the way he set it up. And so, so again, this is the plan according to the Bible. Amen? And, and, and I, I feel like we live... I feel like we live in a society today where, you know, you, you might think, well, you know, why is he repeating himself so much about, you know, that this is the plan of the Bible? Because you need to be reminded that God is not against other plans that people have, okay? He's not against them. He's not against the people. God's not against other plans that people have. He's not involved in it. <laughs> it, it it's not even considered with him. See, he doesn't, he doesn't let that affect him. He's, he, God doesn't lose sleep because other people are doing things that are not according to his will. He's not upset. He's not, you know, heaven is not turned upside down and, and wailing and gnashing at teeth and whatever because of what other people do. God has given us the blueprint, he's given us the instruction, and now it's up to us to follow through with it. Amen? And that's where, he, that's where God is focused, and that's why I repeat myself about this. This is the plan of the Bible. Amen? Um, so, Matthew 12. And verse 25. Well, let's, let's look at verse 22. 
Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. That's what they accused him of. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Every house divided will not stand. It cannot. And I'm just saying to you today that a house where the heads of the house, the husband, the wife are divided, that house can't stand. Um, I just heard, and this was somebody else saying this, so I didn't see the stats themselves, but I just heard the other day from someone else that there are more divorces in the church than there are outside of the church. There's There's more couples divorcing today in the church than outside of the church. I think, I think one of the reasons is that outside of the church, people aren't getting married, you know. And you know what? Why get married? Why get married if all you see is destruction? If you've come out of divorce, why get married? I mean, by the time I was 18 years old, I was set. I will never get married. I was set. And what I went through with my family divorcing and watching my brothers and sisters and all the stuff that happened, and, and lo and behold, that plan got really screwed up when I got born again <laughs> at 18 years old. I got born again and stuff began. To, now, I'm not talking about that thinking just left, but my thinking began to change, and what I realized is what my parents didn't have. See, what I realized is that I'd been lied to by society about truths that I was finding out in the Word of God. And as I gained those truths and I met my wife and we married, you know, 35 years later, we're still married because of the truths of God's Word. Not because we're just the perfect match, which we are, and, and not just because, you know, we, we know how to work all those things out. It's because of the power and the strength of the anointing in God's Word. You understand? We've had as many opportunities as anybody else to separate and divorce or whatever, okay? And again, wherever you're at, okay, we're not better the fact that we're married if you're sitting here today and you're divorced, okay? I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying your situation's no good and ours is the perfect one and you have to be like, God takes us where we're at. You understand? And, and, And I'll just tell you this, that there are some really difficult times in, in my marriage in the beginning because of the lack of thinking and the, and the lack of understanding where you could look back on those days and have deep, deep regrets. But now, you know where my faith is? Is that my, all of my children will marry in a right way and have right understanding and right situations. See, nobody was believing for me to marry the right person, you know? How I, how I found this woman... And married her, it's just the grace of God. I'd be dead without her today, I'm sure. But I want, I have great expectation, not only for my girls, but any, 
any of the, the, the girls in this place that, that we've taken under our, we, we want to see the best for you, or, or, or people even outside, or, or nieces and nephews, I, I want to see the best for the people around me. And, and, and if people come to me and they ask me and they want my opinion about stuff, man, how long do you got to listen? Sit down. I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you what I've learned. I'm not going to try to control your decisions or what you do, but I'm going to give you information to help you to make right decisions. Amen? Amen? And that's what each one of you are created to do. And so, so today, I'm not looking to the past with regret, and I could have regrets, okay? I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to today and the future to be a blessing to all those around me. Amen. That's what Abraham the, the Abraham was blessed to be a blessing and that all the families of the earth would be blessed the same way. That's what we've been created to do. Can you say amen? So we're not allowing our houses to be divided no matter what it takes. Can you say yes? Now remember, and we've read this scripture, um, can you put uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 up on the message? I don't think I have. I don't, no, I don't have that. Jeremiah 29, 11, the message version. Um, we read that in, a, in another series on hope that we did. Um, here it comes. God said, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. So God has a plan for everybody that's sitting here today, no matter what. And God had the plan for you before you were even thought about. And what you're doing today, sitting here and listening to the information that I'm bringing to you, you're, you're opening yourself up to some thought processes that come from God's Word that will help you to make changes in your thinking or tweaking in your thinking that needs to be tweaked. Anything that needs to be tweaked is you're sitting here today and, and you're hearing what I'm saying and you're saying, well, you know, that I, I'm not sure about that. Well, make sure of it. Well, I'm not sure if I even believe it. Well, make sure whether you believe it or not. Make sure what you believe in and then go with it. And, and, and that's why I'm giving you information today to tweak your thinking so you get better and so that your family becomes better today on. This month on, that your family becomes better. The way you look at, at life and the way you look at your spouses or your children or, or, or whatever, the way you look at other people. If you're, you're not married today, this information is very good for you because you can apply this to your life and be prepared in a greater way for the people that are coming into your life, the person that's coming into your life for you to marry and be connected to. Amen? God loves family. Now, just as I end today, uh, I won't finish all these, but I'll, I'll at least give them to you. Just Actually, just four things. Um, four things that, <clears throat> that work against us to keep the family from remaining strong. And, and it sounds kind of like from a negative perspective, but I want you to hear it this way so that we can do the opposite of that. <clears throat> um, one, of the, one of the things that happens when you, 
when you work at this is that you become a, you become a target for the enemy. Now, th- think about if you were the devil. Think about this. You're the devil, and you got two people that are marrying, and they have no understanding, they have no revelation, they have nothing. And they're going to live their lives for themselves. They're going to do things their way. They're going to focus on themselves. And they're really not going to give the devil much trouble. So why would the devil and his demons spend all their time on people that have no revelation? Have you ever thought at times, have you ever looked around and seen people that were married and thought, you know, Man, before I got into the church, it seemed like things weren't as bad as they are now, you know, or difficult as they are. You look over there and it looks like those people just got everything together, you know. But you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, you know, and you don't know what happens with people. And, and the truth is this. You can cover, everybody say cover up. There's a major cover up in relationships where we learn to tolerate each other and not deal with stuff in our hearts. And you can tolerate the stuff in your life and just cover it up, and, and you can look good to everybody else and, and be living these lives that are going in two different directions, or you can deal with the, the, these four things, and there's a lot that flows out of these four, these four categories. You can deal with these things, but when you start dealing with them, you're gonna get opposition. The enemy doesn't want you to get free of these things. I'm just telling you today. you know, And, th- and that's why... That's why if marriage was easy to be successful, everybody would do it, and there would be no divorce. Hmm? There's a lot of benefits with the IRS if you're married. So everybody would be staying with it just for the benefits. But even the IRS benefits aren't enough when you don't know how to deal with each other and you don't have to learn to deal with the differences between each other. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Bar none. It, there's dealing with myself and learning to understand somebody that thinks totally opposite of me and then there's everything else. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life but the most rewarding thing. It's just hard, man. And don't think for a second, when I'm giving you these four things right here, yeah, okay, I'll just do those and it'll, it'll all be fit. No, it's a fight. Because, write this scripture down, and I'm not sure which one it is, but it's somewhere in Matthew 6. And it says, and it's somewhere between about 18 and 21 or 2. And it says this, If the light that is in you is darkened, he asks a question. Jesus asks this question, how deep is the darkness? And what he's talking about is your conscience. Because your conscience holds all the memory and all the stuff of the past that try to rob you of living today and tomorrow. And he said, if the the light that is in you and your soul is darkened, the influence of darkness is coming against the light that's trying to come alive on the inside of you, well, the question is, how deep is the darkness? In other words, how much is under the layers of your life that you have to deal with? 
See, you, you might deal with some surface thing. Okay, woo, I'm free. No, but there was something under that. Now there's something else and something else. And how deep does it go? Well, thank God, we don't have to figure that out on our own. We have the Holy Ghost and he'll reveal that to us and show us and give us the victory over everything that we face. But sometimes there's some levels of darkness that we got to get to the bottom of till we can be free to operate in the humility and the love of God that we were created to operate in. Because victory comes through humility and victory also comes through the love of God manifested in your life, unconditional, no matter what anybody else does. And if it's not operating in family, then family won't succeed. And it has to be convinced. We have to be convinced of the fact that we've got to humble ourselves. But you know, people can look at humility and say, ah, you know, he's just talking about being weak. No, humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will exalt you. He will empower you. He will strengthen you. He will cause you to be. It's a win-win, man. I'm telling you. Living for God and connecting to the family of God is a win-win. So, four things, real quickly. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of verses of Scripture to line these up. Number one, four things that keep the family from remaining strong. These four things. Number one is self-centeredness. Self-centered lifestyles and justification will keep the family from being strong. Um, look at Mark 4. Let me just read this verse real quick. Mark 4 and verse 18. That these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and the word becomes unfruitful. The way that these self-centered, justifying lifestyle will choke the word and keep the word from being fruitful. It doesn't mean you don't know the word, but the word's not bearing fruit the way it was created to. Number two is unforgiveness and bitterness. We're going to touch on these again probably next week in, in, in what we're going to talk about. But just I, I just want to make sure that you get these so you can think about them. Second thing that tries to keep the family from remaining strong is unforgiveness and bitterness. And again, you can, you can think of this verse in Mark 4, that the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, it enters in and chokes the word so that the word is not fruitful. It's not bearing fruit. The key is that we've got to bear fruit. Um, Hebrews 12, turn there. Hebrews 12 and um, and verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. A root of bitterness springing up. How does something spring up? Because it's a seed. It's, a, it's been planted. In other words, it's not been uprooted. So if that root of bitterness is still there, if there's still a root and a seed in the ground, it's going to spring up at an opportune time. Well, okay. Who hasn't had bitterness and unforgiveness and stuff like that at different times in your life spring up? So we, we, we can either... Cut the root 
or cut the, the, what sprung up off the top and let it keep springing up, or we can go after it, dig up the root so it is shut down, right? That's the key to it, but that's what the Word does. The Word will dig up the past and replant the good things so we're bearing the fruit of God instead of allowing the fruits of bitterness and unforgiveness to continue. Third thing is wrong relationships, uh, and this is huge. Old friends, family, any type of negative influence, these things over time have to be avoided. And you hear what I'm saying? There's certain things you can do at certain times, but not at other times. Sometimes you've got to get away from the influences that controlled your life. Um, you know, if one of the best things that happened to me when I turned 18 years old is that I moved out of my hometown. It was, for me, it was the best thing for, for me because of the lifestyle that I lived and the, the, all the, you know, the drugs and things that I was on and, and the people that I was associated with, I knew everybody. And see, the way you know that that's a spiritual thing is that you, you can try to be doing your best to get free of certain things, but all of a sudden, all the wrong people just show up at the right time. You know, they just, you know, you, you can be minding your own business, you know, uh, at HEB buying something on the counter and the wrong person walks by that influences your life. And, and it's why you need seasons of pulling yourself away from wrong relationships that contaminated you so that your thinking can change and you can get empowered so that when you do get reconnected to those type of people, you don't, that's not where you spend all your time and their control isn't affecting you because your faith is in God. And in marriage relationships, it is, and family relationships, it's one of the worst. They try to separate couples and separate people and all that kind of stuff, you, you have to determine what you're going to connect to and what you're not going to connect to. Vitally important. And then the fourth thing is strife and division. <clears throat> and let, let me just give you these five um, these five things that I, that, that really remove strife and division desire peace and not rights number one desire peace and not rights you can look at romans 12 verse 18 and 19 for that uh, for support in that desire peace and not rights second thing is don't be quick to speak proverbs 30 32 really enforces that don't be quick to speak Number three is don't allow anger to control. James 1.19, don't allow anger to control. Number four, speak the truth. Proverbs 27.5, speak the truth. It's how strife and division get removed. Speak the truth, Proverbs 27, 5. And then number five, be a problem solver, not a problem creator. And this passage in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, um, it's like they, they touch everything that we've just talked about. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Be a problem solver, not a problem creator to rid strife and division from your relationships and from your home.
These four things, I believe, are key to shutting down the longevity of family, but the opposite of that strengthens us to cause family not only to remain in our lifetime, but the families that we're connected to strengthen them and cause them to last. I think, uh, and, and I've read a lot about church history and, and since Jesus Christ on the earth, and one of the things that's happened is that people have not made sure that real truth was passed down from generation to generation. So one generation may have had truth and they lived in it, but it died out with them. God wants truth in, in us to be passed on to the next and the next. And when you, we've got two or three or four generations that's continuing to pass truth on, you're seeing lives change. I mean, people still have to choose to live for God and, and, and to experience God in the world of family. But the more truth that we put out there and that we live ourselves and it's real to us, the greater that families can be. It's not just having a knowledge of what you're supposed to do, but that we bear fruit. Amen? It's vital that we bear fruit. So today, I, my prayer is that the information that I've shared, just, in, just laying a foundation of the beginning of family and what family is truly all about, that you just take it and think about it, embrace it, meditate on it. Let it become just some truths and some nuggets that will help you to pursue greater family and revelation of family for yourself and those around you and those who are connected with you. Amen. Heavenly Father, today, I thank you for this place. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, for the reality of family, the reality of the family connection and relationship. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Lord, for the truths that are becoming real to all of us day by day, that it, family is worth fighting for, relationships are worth fighting for and standing for, and, and, and it's, it's worth changing our thinking to see these issues not only change, but new ideas and new attitudes be reestablished. Today, we just thank you for your presence here. I pray for every home, every family that's represented I thank you, Lord, as you're taking all of us where we're at and establishing us in new ways and, and in new revelation and new understanding and that we're people that embrace that revelation and that we walk it out and bear great fruit. We bless you today and we thank you and we give you all the praise.